Well, if you've been paying attention to the news, then it's no news to you that the pandemic is becoming big news again. Um, cases across Ontario in the last little while, we're now at um, three times the active caseload that we were in our lowest point um, this summer. In Niagara, um, the rolling seven-day average is, is the highest point it's been in at least four to six weeks. Um, there was at least one day this past week where we had more than 10 new cases um, in Niagara. There was, with back to school, the first COVID positive case of a student in an elementary school in Niagara Falls was recorded across the province um, with the numbers in Toronto and Peel and Ottawa the way that they are. Um, Doug Ford has had to restrict group meetings in Toronto in those three regions to 10 people inside and has imposed fines of $10,000 if you host an event of more than 10 people indoors and $750 for attending an event indoors of more than 10 people. It feels like no matter what measure you use, the numbers for COVID-19 are going back up, which means that no matter who you are, in all likelihood, the stress around COVID-19 is going back up. Whether you are a person who has particular health concerns when it comes to COVID-19, or whether you're a person who's more concerned about the mental health of the impact of COVID-19, especially around masking and physical distancing and self-isolation, the stress around the disease is going up all across our region and our province and even our country, which means that it is getting more difficult for us to act like Jesus towards each other than it has been this summer. In this season of seeking God's village vision in the midst of our lack of visibility, it is the pandemic that is obviously creating the lack of visibility of this season. And in the midst of the pandemic, we need to seek for God's vision about how we would react to the pandemic. When the pandemic first hit back in March, we set aside um, three weeks to talk about how we as a community were going to process the reality of COVID-19. And now six months later, as we've had six months of experience with the pandemic and moving into a season where right now it looks like it's going to be harder rather than easier, we thought maybe it was worth it in the Vision Over Visibility series to talk about the thing that is robbing us of our visibility, to talk about what it looks like to find God's vision for how we are going to be people and a community together in the midst of this season and especially because of its stress. Because truth be told, it is stress that makes it hard for us to respond well to each other, to live in Jesus-y kinds of ways. When stress is our physical response to feeling like the demands of life are greater right now than what we have the capability of providing. It stresses our physical response to when things feel out of control, unsafe and unsure. And in the midst of stress, we respond badly. I was driving my kids around this week 
and their behavior was irritating to me. And finally, I just lost them. I started yelling at them in the van. And as I was yelling at them, I actually yelled at them. I'm not really mad at you. I'm mad that I just deleted all my sermon notes for this exact sermon. And that's the thing that I'm actually mad about. And I'm sorry that I'm yelling at you right now. But I like literally yelled that at them because that's what we do in stress. When we're under stress, we respond differently than the way we would want to respond. And here's the thing. Back in the 60s, a couple of psychologists developed a stress scale where they listed the top like 35 or 40 events that create stress in the human experience. And so many of the experiences that COVID creates for us are central experiences that create high levels of stress for us, whether it's death of a loved one, whether it's sickness and death of ourselves, you know, well, the death of ourselves doesn't create stress, but the death of people that we love, but the sickness of people that we love, um, stressful events include changes in our financial well-being, changes in our relationship with work. They include relationship turmoil and chaos and tension. It's all the things that create stress in the human experience. So many of them are being imposed on us by the pandemic. And the truth is when we're under stress, we don't respond well. Psychologists tell us that under conditions of stress, we find it harder to process information well, right? If you think about grief and loss and all the things that the pandemic has stolen from us in the last six months, the first response to grief is denial. It's the unconscious refusal to admit the reality of the situation. That's why people say when you've lost a spouse, don't make any major decisions for at least a year because you're not understanding reality very well in that, under that stress that we're all living under right now. Um, the second stage of grief is actually anger. <laughs> and we've seen plenty of examples of anger around not just, you know, physical distancing and masking issues, but around auxiliary issues, Black Lives Matter and, and rioting and protesting. Like there is so much anger in our society right now, and it's destroying our sense of togetherness. It's destroying relationships. It is inflicting aloneness on people. When we are afraid, which is another impact of the pandemic in the midst of fear, we tend to prioritize our own well-being because we're in survival mode, right? Like to put it frankly, a drowning victim never asks a lifeguard how they're doing, right? If you're drowning, you don't care how the lifeguard is doing. You don't care about them at all. In fact, you will push them underwater and drown them if it means you can keep your nose above water because what we do in the midst of fear is we prioritize our own survival. But if you think about that, denial and anger and fear, these are not the recipes for living and behaving in a really Jesus-y way towards each other. We're all living, whether you realize it or feel it or not, we are all living under enormous amounts of stress and it is changing the way that we relate. And so as a community, I want to challenge us this morning to make three commitments to how we are going to respond to each other in the midst of the pandemic. The first is a commitment to humility. We need to learn to listen to each other. You see, when I said that uh, denial and stress mean that we don't process reality well, in times of confusion, what we tend to do is we tend to prioritize our own experience ahead of what we're being told is true. 
right? So if you've had the luxury of the privilege of not having COVID or not knowing anyone who's had COVID or not burying somebody because of COVID, if you've had the privilege of not being in relationship with somebody with um, chronic respiratory illness like my wife Krista has, or, you know, not being married as I am to a frontline healthcare worker who, who describes for me what a horrific COVID death looks like. It's a horrible way to die. And she's seen several people do it. Or she describes for me the lasting lifelong damage that COVID can do to a heart or to lungs, even among people to sur who survive. If you have been sheltered from all of those experiences, then all of this can seem like it's not very real at all. And it can feel like the world has been turned upside down for no good reason, for reasons that you don't understand. And then what some people have done is that they've gone online to do their own research, to discover what is really real about the pandemic. And they find online communities of people who are suggesting realities that feel more like your experience that it's a scamdemic or a plandemic, or this is Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci exercising population control, or it's Barack Obama or China who have invented a bioweapon that they've released on the public to punish Donald Trump, or this is about 5G radiation, or this is no worse than the flu. And because those explanations seem to make more sense of your reality, there are some who have decided that this isn't really real. But underlying all of that, and I want to say this cautiously because I know that all of us, none of us are processing reality well on our own right now. But beneath all of that is an attitude of pride that says, only I am qualified to decide what is real. And I think what we need to relearn as a community, we need to relearn how to listen to each other. In James chapter one, it says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone on all sides should be quick to listen to the experiences of others, to the information of others, slow to form and speak their own opinions and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The Jesus-y way for us to live in communities, for us to listen to each other before we form and impose our own opinion, especially to listen to people whose experiences have been different than ours, people who can help us see a side of reality that we don't have access to, to help us understand the truth in a broader way, to listen to those who have the scientific expertise to describe what is medically happening in our world with accuracy that we can't understand. I remember months and months ago, back on Twitter, I read somebody who posted, you know, surely you're not going to just believe the scientists at this at the Center for Disease Control, but you're going to do your own research, right? And my response, they weren't writing to me, but internally, my response was, no, I am going to believe the scientists and I'm not going to do my own research because unless I am a trained epidemiologist, I do not have the skill to do my own research or to even understand the research that's been done. We need to learn to listen to those whose experiences are different and those who have expertise in order to give us a more rounded picture of the truth. And I know that's scary 
because sometimes people, even scientists, make mistakes. And there have been different kinds of information that have come out since the beginning of the pandemic. And I know that there are some people, including politicians, who can act in bad faith and who actually don't care about harm that is being inflicted on other people. I know those things. But together as a community, we have to get past the pride of saying only I can decide what's real and learn to listen to each other so that together as a community, we can come to understand the truth about what is real. We can take each other's experiences and expertise into account and we can form our opinions based on those who are more in the know than we are. I think we need to choose in humility to listen to each other. Um, we need to choose in togetherness to care for each other. Uh, uh, the pandemic, for a whole variety of reasons, is inflicting toxic levels of disconnection on all of us. Um, remember that stress scale that I was talking about? The top five most stressful events in the human experience are events of losing relationship. The death of a spouse, divorce, being separated, going to jail, and the death of a loved one. There is a direct correlation between maximum amounts of stress and the loss of human community. The truth is that the pandemic, because of self-isolation, because of physical distancing, because of masking, because of anger, because of um, disagreements about reality and so on, the the pandemic has robbed us of our sense of connectedness, which means that Mental health outcomes are getting worse among people. Addiction issues are getting worse among people. Loneliness is skyrocketing because people's support networks have been taken away and they've been robbed of human relationship. And we're experiencing the psychological damage of being robbed from human connection. By the way, this is directly related to how we process reality. The more we are robbed of our human community, we go online, we spend increasing amounts of online looking for online community, and it's easy to fall into rabbit holes of people who are echoing back to us the truth that we already believe, and we enter into, we trade our human community for an online community that doesn't actually care about us. We need to recover the togetherness of what it means to be human community together. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, it says this, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. Their outcomes are better in community. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, a cord, and can you find a third? Because a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Once you have community of three, you're virtually indestructible. The, the metaphor in the text is about taking a long journey in the ancient world all by yourself, which for most people meant walking and make, taking a long journey on foot by yourself in the ancient world was a death sentence. You could get injured and fall by the side of the road and have no one to help you and just die there. You could contract hypothermia while you know, sleeping in the desert because you had no one to keep you warm. You could be attacked by bandits, beaten unconscious, robbed of everything that you have and be left for dead. The, the, it was a death sentence to try and go it alone. What the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying is if you're going to survive this journey of life, you have to travel in packs. We need each other 
to be a caring support for each other, to be a comforting presence for each other, to pick us up when we fall, to fight our challenges shoulder to shoulder together with us, to confront reality with a, with a solid front. And the more community we can experience, the better off we're all going to be. Since the beginning of the pandemic on the COVID page on our website, we've had those two buttons. I have a need and I want to help. And we've used those buttons largely for financial needs. But what about our emotional and spiritual and relational needs? If you're someone who has something to give emotionally or spiritually or relationally, who can you give it to? Who have you not talked to since the beginning of the pandemic? Who do you need to check in on? Who do you know who might not be doing well? Who can you call this week to offer emotional support and spiritual stability and relational connection? If you need emotional support or spiritual stability, or relational connection? Who can you reach out to this week? What phone call can you make? What can you join? How can you participate? How can you make a commitment to being in human community again? We need to make a commitment to humility and listen to each other, to togetherness and care for each other. We need to make a commitment to compassion and protect each other. One of the primary ways i've said this i said this earlier one of the primary things that happens in the midst of fear whether it's fear of the pandemic or fear of what's happening to us because of how we respond to the pandemic one of the things is we start to look out only for ourselves and that has led to a lot of anger and dissension and contention around masking and physical distancing especially among people who haven't had experience with COVID and whose life feels like it's been turned upside down for no good reason and who just want to experience the psychological comfort of normality again. And so have resisted masking and physical distancing because they just want life to be normal again. And those realities are real. But I feel like especially this week with the region now extending the mask mandate to April 1st, we need to listen to the science, to follow the directives of those who have been charged with the safety of the public in which we live, and in compassion, care for each other. Because I think masking and physical distancing is a gesture of compassion. In Philippians chapter 2, it talks about humility and togetherness and compassion and says this, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I think masking is an issue of humility. That I don't know if I have COVID and I don't know if you have COVID. And honestly, even though we don't know, no, 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 we don't really know the degree of effectiveness of masking, because there's reports all over the map, but doing something is surely a greater protection physically than doing nothing. It's an act of togetherness. I know that we all want to get back to 
um, work. We want to get our financial lives back. We want businesses to open. We want to be with our friends. We want to go to restaurants. We want to eat indoors, especially as the weather gets cold. We want life to go back to normal. But here's the thing. Masking and physical distancing is the shortest path for all of us to get back to normal. All you have to do is look at the states. It's a natural experiment. The numbers don't lie that we if we're in it together, just think about this. In the beginning of the pandemic, if we had all self-isolated for two weeks and not been in contact with any other human beings, this whole thing would be under control. To the degree that we can cooperate together, that is the fastest way for us to get life back to normal. It's an act of humility and togetherness. It's an act of compassion. Because honestly, I don't know if you are in immunocompromised and you don't know if I am. I don't know if someone you love is fighting cancer. I don't know if your kids being infected can take that home to your grandparents who are, to their grandparents who are susceptible. You don't know that my wife lives with chronic, chronic respiratory illness, and this could likely be fatal for her. We don't know. And so let's put each other's interests ahead of our own. Let's prioritize caring for the other, protecting each other from this disease so that life can get back to normal. And I know that masking and distancing has its own negative psychological effect. I know that. But I feel like that's something we can address as we recover from the actual physical danger that threatens people's lives. It's not good enough to just say, well, it only kills old people. Let's not kill any people. We need humility and togetherness and compassion. That's what we need. Years ago, my friend taught me about the difference between warranted and unwarranted conflict. He said, warranted conflict is when two people actually want different things and you have to fight about which of those things you're gonna choose. Unwarranted conflict is when two different people actually want the same thing and they're just disagreeing about how to get there. And when that is the case, the only thing that's required is cooperation. Friends, this is a situation among those of us who disagree, a situation of unwarranted conflict. We all want the same thing. We want people to be safe and well, and we want our community and our relationships and our psyches to be intact and whole. And to the degree that we can cooperate together in humility, listening to each other, in togetherness, caring for each other, and in compassion, protecting each other. That's the degree to which we can experience the wholeness that God wants to bring. That, I think, is God's vision for how we would live in the lack of visibility in this season. Let's pray. God is always... Um, we trust that you are sovereign over everything. And so we look to you to protect us, both from the disease and from the psychological impacts of how we're trying to cope with the disease. Would you guide us, God, into being the kind of community that reflects the love of Jesus to each other, that lives together in community with each other and that cooperates together with each other to radiate Jesus to each other and to the world, to be a part of the healing of your kingdom coming into the world on earth just as it is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.